Last week, we opened up a brand new series called Arrows. It's called Arrows. And here's the deal about Arrows. If you're like, man, is this an archery lesson in church? Absolutely it's not. Absolutely not. It's not an archery lesson in church. But last week, we learned that you and I, we are, we, are, we are the bows here. God wants to use us. God wants to do some incredible things. A lot of you guys in here, you are super gifted. You are super talented. You're smart. You're beautiful. You have all these things going for you. And you have the ability to do some incredible things, but you don't have all the arrows you don't have all the arrows that you need. And don't worry, I took the tip off this arrow. I can't say the same about the, <laughs> like, don't do it, bro. I did take the tip off. But last week, I gave you an arrow last week. And the arrow that I gave you was the arrow, the arrow of faith. The arrow of faith. A lot of us in here today, we're living life without faith. And you can't do life without faith. You can't go far without Jesus. And the reason why you can't go far without Jesus is because he made you. We learned last week this, that faith transforms us. And the thing that we all want to be in here today is we all want to be, we all want to be transformed. The Bible tells in John chapter 10 that God's come to give us his abundant life. And the only way to have abundant life is to have this faith in the son of Jesus. And that faith, it transforms both you and I. That faith, it transforms us. But I want to give you another arrow today. And I want to give it to you quickly today. And then I want to share some things with you that I think will, will help you today. And, and, you're, and you're probably wondering why am I, um, why am I dressed up today. And um, if you've ever been to a, um, a financial advisor and you go to sit down in his office, usually he's, he's looking pretty sharp. He's got a jacket on. And today I'd like to play the financial advisor for you today. And some of you guys are like, I'm okay if you're my pastor, but I don't want you around my finances. It's going to be... It's going to be okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you and hopefully set you free a little bit today. So last week we got faith, and this week we're going to get some finances, some faith and some finances. I graduated high school in, in 2000. In 2000, I got in my car, and uh, my mom and I, we drove all the way up to Springfield, Missouri, and I think we flew. I can't even remember. That was so long ago. We flew up to Springfield, Missouri, and I got to college, and when I got to college, the best thing ever happened to me. I walked into the mailbox, and when I got to the mailbox... There was a credit card application in the mailbox. I have made it. Like, I've, I'm at the pinnacle. I'm getting, I got credit, yo. Like, I got, I'm getting credit cards. Like, they know I got great finance. They want to send me credit cards so I can start spending money. They want to they help me advance in life, so they sent me a credit card. And I did what all of you did. I said, thank you so much, Mr. Citibank. I'll take that credit. And I took that credit card and I put it in my top drawer. I'm like, I'm going to save this for a rainy day. And I want to encourage you today, the rainy days, they come. I had a big emergency come up. And the emergency was this. I was at the mall and I needed a new pair of jeans. And you're, you're judging me, but that's an emergency for me. For some of you guys, an emergency for you would be Starbucks. <laughs> but for me, it was a pair of it was a pair of jeans, and so I bought those jeans. Those jeans were only, I don't know, 60 or $70, but by the time I got those jeans paid off, they were a lot more than 60 or $70 because I found out that Citibank, Mr. City, last name Bank, he's really not my friend. He's my enemy. <laughs> he's, trying to take me, he's trying to take me out, and I got to a place in my life where another emergency came up, and the emergency was I was, my, my, my college pastor said, hey, I want to I take you guys out to a ski trip in, in, in Breckenridge, Colorado. And if you know anything about me, you know I like to, you think well, you're, we're in the summer, it's hot here. I like to wakeboard and I like to also snowboard. So I got into playing that emergency. I got into, we got in a 15-passenger van. We drove out to Breckenridge, Colorado, which if you know anything about snowboarding, you want to be in Breckenridge. That's a great place. to. I had an, another emergency. So I got my credit card out and I swiped that thing. And I was, man, I had the best trip of my life, man. I was just, I was so thankful for Mr. Citibank. That trip that was $300 cost me a lot more than 300 bucks <laughs> eventually. 
They, they, I was so good at spreading the credit card that they actually called me and said, hey, Mr. Beecham, you did so good spreading the first $300. We want to give you more credit. I was like, man, they love me, Liz. Like, I am, I am their guy. And I had another emergency come. You're like, you're laughing. And you guys are like, oh, this is a little bit silly. But I got to the end of my year. I got to my last semester of college. I was thankful that my parents paid for all of my college. But I had to pay off my school, my school loan in order to get my, to get my diploma in order to convince my father-in-law that, that, to let me marry his, his daughter, Diana. So I had to, so I, I called my other friend up. Apparently, Citibank has a cousin named Discover. Discover. And so Discover said, well, they gave me a $3,000 credit line. I was so thankful for Mr. Discover. So I was able to pay off that last school, uh, that, last, that last part of my, my, my school so I could get my diploma so I could, get a, so I could graduate and Man, I was doing good, and I was doing so good that I was, I, I was time for me to get engaged. I had finally talked Diana's dad after the third time. By the way, sometimes, guys, the third time's a charm. There's a message in there somewhere. I finally got him to say yes, and so I caught up. Discover also has a cousin. His cousin's name is Chase Bank. And my, I had friends that were, I had really good friends that worked at Chase Bank. They, they were the people that, they called people and said, hey, we want to offer you credit. So Chase, I said, hey, Chase, I said, I need to, I need to buy my, my boo thing. I need to buy Bay an engagement ring. <clears throat> I said, but I got a really good deal, but I need you to, I need some help. And so Mr. Chase Bank gave me $3,000 for part of the ring. I was so thankful. And so I got to that place in my life, and I was, man, things were going good. And I got Diana's dad to say yes, and I, Chase Bank. And then I, and once I got that, I mean, I'm, and I'm paying some of these cards off, or at least part of the, some of them. I'm, not, I'm just paying the interest. I'm doing a really good job. They let me pay just the interest. That's how nice they were to me. They're like, I'm going to give you a special deal, Mr. Beecham. You can pay just the interest. And then after I did that, it was time to go on the honeymoon. I was prepared, Derek, to get another credit card. <laughs> I, was doing, I was doing great, man. I was like, anything I ever need, these guys want to help me out. Like, they know I'm good for it. And I found myself in this, in this hole where every time I would get into an emergency or where I thought it was an emergency, I would just get another credit card and I would do that. And I was doing good. So I got married and I was, man, we were love, we were in love and we were happy and we were in debt up to our eyeballs. I was able to hide all this from my future father-in-law because the banks told me not to tell him. And why would I betray their trust? They've given me all this money to borrow. I couldn't, I couldn't rat them out. So I was going on a little bit. I got into, I got into, I got into the, to the, to the rut of, of, of the money and just needing and needing and needing and needing and needing more. And they kept on loaning me and we were married and we were happy. We needed something. We would just go and I, I, I was making plenty enough money. We got married, and we got a paycheck, and every time we get that paycheck, I was like, man, I was just running that thing every Friday. Every Friday, I was just living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, and I got in a car one time with my brother-in-law, Derek. It's fitting that he's here today, and he, we got there, and uh, we got to the conference, and the, and the, and the guy said, hey, if you're, if, you're at a, if you're in just a financial mess, I, mean, I, I paid money to get to this conference. I get to the conference. Like, if you're in a financial mess, you need to get in your car and go back home and get out of your financial mess. And Derek looked at me. He's like, you need to get back in your car and go back. I was like, man, I hate you. I said, but don't tell your dad about the financial mess that I'm in. So I stayed at the conference. We had a great time because we have a good time whenever we get together. And Christians, if you know how to do it right, you, you can have a good time and be a Christian. That, that is a thing. Those two things do exist together. And so we had a great time. And I, I got done. And I, I got a little further down the road. And Derek's like, hey, I want to introduce you to, to my friend. And I was like, I have plenty of friends, bro. I don't need Chase, Discover, American Express. I don't need no, my, my friend is a guy that's going to help you get out of all that mess. And his name is Dave Ramsey. And I want to, you need to go through this class. He's like, 
so you need to go through it so bad. Like, you, need, you just need to go through it. And I was like, no, I'm good, dude. These guys are loyal to me. Oh, and to make things worse, I got to the place where I got sick of all those credit cards. So I, did a, I had a really, really good idea. Uh, another bank, a fifth, third bank, they called me. And like, we see you have a bunch of credit out there. Why don't you let us consolidate all of your credit for you? All of your, all your cards, and we can roll it into the equity of your wife's car that was a gift that was paid off. So I had a car that was paid off. Some of you guys are like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> and it, it is, and it's most of America. And so I got to that season, so they rolled all that, all that debt into the equity of this car that was already paid off. So I had this car that was paid off. It was in pretty good shape, but I was paying like three or $400 a month for this car that was paid off, but I was just paying off the debt. And so here's what I learned, and the things that I, I want to help you with today, and it's this. There's a right way and a wrong way to handle your money. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to handle your money. And I didn't know that. I, 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 had, I had no clue. I was, just, I was just loving life. These creditors, they, they're, they're my friends. They're not going to betray me. They, always, they were sending me mail every single day, and I loved mail back then. I didn't care. And so I began to move, and it began to catch up. And it, it will, what happens is you get into that rut of, I need that, I need that, I need that. And it began to, it began to snowball. And so I want to ask you a couple of questions, the questions I had to ask myself about money. And, and if you're here today and you're thinking, man, I don't really want you talking about my money. And I, I, I get that you don't want me to talk about your money, and, and it's okay. But here's what I realized this week. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and he said this. The people that are coming to your church, they want to know the truth. Because the world's not telling them that. He said, so whatever it is that you feel like God's put in your heart, you better tell them the truth. Did you know this, that there's over 2,500 references to money and possessions in this book called the Bible? And a lot of people say, oh, the Bible's old and it's irrelevant, it's outdated. It's funny that God knew that we would need it. And all throughout the scripture, he talks about this thing called financial, finances and, 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 not, and not being in debt and not being a slave to, to, the, to the lenders. And he's, it's all throughout the scripture. And what I find a lot of times, I, I talk to pastors, like, yo, we never talk about money. And I, thought, I say to my pastor, I was like, how can you not talk about money? It's the biggest thing that we struggle with. The number one cause of divorce and money fights in America and marriage is money fights. Their number one cause of marriage fights and divorce, it's money. And we don't talk about that. But we're, if I'm for marriage, I have to talk. If I'm for marriage and I'm for marriage lasting and, and it working, then obviously I have to talk about things in the Bible that are struggling. The average car payment is $500 in, in America today. Experian, Experian just put out that number, 500 something dollars. And what's crazy is this, is that if you were to take that $500 that you, for, six, for six years and just put that away into a Roth account and a mutual fund, by time you, for the next 30, 40 years, when you retire, you could be a millionaire. But we want that thing. We really want that thing. And what we don't know is there's a right way and there's a wrong way to handle your money. I was talking to an, an, older, an older gentleman yesterday, and he goes, I'm so sad for you guys. And I said, why? He said, because our country is in trillions and trillions of dollars in debt, and you guys are never going to get out of it. He goes, it doesn't affect me, but it sure is going to affect you. We're never going to get out of that. So will we all agree today, just nod your head, that the way that the world does money does not work, right? Just nod your head. Like, it doesn't work. We're in trillions of dollars of debt. That can't work. That can't be okay. To borrow, 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 it can't be, it cannot be okay. So I asked myself a few questions, and I want you to ask yourself the question today is, Here's the questions I had to ask myself, and the questions I, these were tough answer, questions that I asked. I'm giving you the abbreviated version. I realize this. I am not an expert at anything, but I am a really good listener. Like, I, if you've made a mistake, 
I'm going to learn from your mistake. If you do something stupid in here today, your, your, uh, your husband here today, I'm not going to do what you did because I don't want the same exact, I don't want the same results that you had. If you're in here today and, you're, you're, and you make a really, really bad business decision, yeah, I'm not going to make I was talking to my friend yesterday. He goes, I'm trying to get into day trading. And he's a, he's a, he's a Dave Ramsey guy. And I said, is it good, bad? Is it good money? Like, I'm, I'm interested. And he said, um, the problem with day trading is most people get in there, it's, 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 it's day to day. And what happens is you get in there and you make about $500, but you also can lose about $5,000 in the same exact day. He goes, you got to be careful. He goes, but I'm the kind of guy who has discipline. I can, once I make two, three hundred, $400, and I'd be okay. I could put that in my pocket and I could, and I could put the rest of my money away. And once I make money, I put it back and I could just use the money that I made. And he said, you got to be very, you got to be very careful. So I had to ask myself the question and the answer was yes. And it was this, do you spend more than you make, Wes? I had to ask myself that question. Do you spend more than you make? And the answer for me was yes. Every single week, I spent more than I made. And I made plenty of money, but I spent more than I made. And if you're in here today and you're young, you ought to listen really, 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 really well. Because if I was 25 and I heard this and I made, I made these changes in my life, if I learned there was a right way and a wrong way, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a normal way and there's a God way, if I would have learned that when I was 25, then I would be a lot further along in the game than I am today. But I didn't get it until I was 30, 31, 32, 33. And I'm glad I got it. I'm glad I got it. Do you spend more than you make? Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, just as rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. You guys have heard that verse before. What happens is we spend more than we make, and we have to go out and borrow the money, and we become slaves. And the problem with becoming slaves is that Jesus sent his son down the cross for our sins so that we were no longer slaves. We get to be free. God wants you to be free, but what happens is, is we get free from our punishment of sin, and we're going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but then we get into another kind of bondage. We get into financial bondage and a financial, financial prison. Do you spend more than you make? Here's the second question that I had to ask myself, and the answer was no, is do you save? <laughs> do you save? You know, I, how can I save less if I'm spending more than I make? I couldn't, I couldn't save anything. I was, there's, a, there's a young man in here today, and he goes, I got fired. They laid me off having coffee with them. <laughs> I said, does that stink? He goes, no, when you have 11 months of backup in the, in the bank, that doesn't scare you. I'm going to take the next two months off and do whatever I want to do, and then I'm going to find a job. And if it takes me 10 months to find a job, I'm going to be okay because I got 11 months of savings in my savings account. That's brilliant. I don't know about you, but I want to be a saver. I would, I'm glad I, I glad I learned how to save. If I would have never learned how to save, I would have never had the money to buy a down, to put a down payment on the house that I needed to have out here so I could come out here and do ministry. I would have never had those things. I didn't have to leverage anything. When I was ready, when God said, hey, Wes, it's time for you to go launch this church, I was debt-free. I had one car payment, and now I had no car payments. And it was, the car payment I had was $150. Like, I was, like, in trouble, but God helped me get out of it, helped me get out of it. And I, got, I learned the right way versus the wrong way of money. And money became a, a, an arrow for me, not, a, a, not, a, not something that's shooting at me. I got to use it in a positive way. So I learned that, uh, the question I have is, do you save? The Bible says this, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. The wise, wise people have wealth and luxury. Wise people, they save. They store up. Wise people store up. So the borrower is servant to the lender. I'm, I missed that one. I'm sorry. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they have. Foolish people spend all that they have. They don't save. They don't save. This week I'm running a marathon on Friday, on Saturday, and my wife's like, man, this, this hotel is going this, this to be whatever. I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't even think twice about it because I, I save. I, I can just go, I, can, I, can, I don't have to put a credit card on a hotel, but most, most of my early on in my life, uh, everything was on a credit card. Now I just pay cash. I just buy a hotel. I just get the hotel. I'm not, 
I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it because I save. I have a savings account. Hopefully this is helping you today because in America today, we're not doing a good job at this. So I, I know it's helping you whether you want to hear this or not. It, this is going to help you in, in the long run. I got to the place, and by the way, I got to the place where I was so desperate. I went to Diane's and I'm like, hey, I am in, I, we're in a mess. And he's like, here's what you got to do. Do this, do this, do this, do this. And I was like, man, thank you so much. I went home. I called down. I was like, hey, your dad just gave me all this really, really good money advice. You know what I did? I just ignored all of it for another year. And apparently I wasn't ready to get out of debt yet. I, got, I wasn't sick and tired of being sick and tired yet. Normal. I don't want to be, I don't want the world's version of, I don't want the world's version of normal. I want God's blessing on my life. I want God's normal. I want to be abnormal. If, that's, if, if doing it the way this book is, I'd rather be abnormal. And then the third thing I, I wrote down this is, is, is do you give? Now, here's the deal about giving. I always gave, but I just, I gave, but I just spent everything foolishly, and I didn't save. And I, and I was able to give, I was able to give just, I was able to give just a 10%. Like, I just gave just 10%, and then everything else was just gone, or I put on, or I put on, on credit, and I had to borrow it, and became a, I became a slave to the lender. The Bible says this. Get, you've, you've heard this verse. It's on our offering envelopes. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 21. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. I wasn't able to be, I wasn't able to be generous. I really wanted to be generous. Before we left our church, Randy and, and, and is in here today, and Derek is in here today, a handful of us are in here today. Before we left, we did a capital fundraising campaign at the last church that helped start us out here. I was able to give that. I was able to give the, the highest I had, had ever been able to give because I, I was able to get out of debt and I was able to be generous. I don't want to just give the bare minimum. I, wanted to be, I was able to be generous. And so uh, Derek helped led that campaign. And they invited, all the, they invited the top 10% of the, of, the, of, the, of the people that gave the most, the top 10% givers of the entire church, they invited them in this room for the breakfast. And I walked into that room and I'm like, I looked at Derek, I was like, dude, how did I get in the room? Like, how did I get in the room? And he said, um, I said, these people make a lot of money. He goes, no, I don't know if they make a lot of money. He goes, but they give, they give the most. And I was like, I knew what I made. I knew what some of the other people did. They were business owners. I was like, dude, how, I, I'm in the room with these people. I was able to be generous. I want to be generous. You know, if you're generous, you, you walk around smiling. You ever met a stingy person? No one likes a stingy person, do they? You ever met a generous person? Dude, you want to be around that kind of person. You want to be around that kind of generous person. So I was able to, I was able to ask myself, do you, do, you, do you give? This could be translated do you tithe or are you generous? One of our core values is generosity. I wanted to be, I wanted to be generous. Here's what the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Because Jesus, you know, Jesus knew you and I. This, he knew that you, for you and I, this would be a struggle. Here's what Malachi chapter, chapter 3, verse 10 says. This. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse to church. Bring the 10% to the church. Tithe this 10th. So there will be enough food in my temple. If you do this, says Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. If you bring the tithe in, I'm going to open up the heavens for you. He says this, I will pour out a blessing so great that you don't have enough room to take it in. Now, I don't know about you, but that, you had to lock into that verse. You, I want to have so much blessing that there's not enough room to take it in. Like, you imagine today you have a, you know what overflow is. Let me help you figure out what overflow is. Overflow is when you keep on getting stuff out of the washer and you put it in the dryer and in the dryer into the basket and you never fold it, you begin to put it on top, that's overflow. Come on, you can relate. That's the kind of overflow. You're like, now that's the kind of overflow I'm used to, Us Overflow is, uh, overflow is when, you, when, you, when you're at the, at the gas station and you're, and you're putting gas in there and you're not paying attention. 
because you got ADHD, like maybe that's just me, and, and you're not watching, and, the, and, the, and you're putting it in the, in, the, in the gas can for your lawnmower, and gas comes shooting out. That's, that's overflow. We know a lot about the negative overflows, but we don't know a lot about the positive overflows. And I don't know about you, but I want to have the kind of life where there's lots of overflow. And here's the thing. Make sure you track this well with me today. I don't want to make, I don't make sure you miss this. Most people that you and I don't know, they don't have an overflow. They don't have an overflow. There's an overflow problem. And, there's, and the reason why there's an overflow problem is because there's a bottleneck problem. There can't be overneck, there can't be overflow if, there's a, if, there's, if, they're, if they're not letting out all that, God, all that God has to get out of their hands. Now here's the deal. Here's what he, he left, here's, here's, here's for you and for me. If that's too hard for you, here's what the Bible says. Try it. There's a, I don't know what my kids say, but or maybe it's a, it's, a, it's a commercial, but try it. You may like it. <laughs> try it. He says this, if you, don't, if you can't do it, then, then try it. Now, here's what I want to I make sure that you get this day, and I think, that you're, I think you're doing a good job in your listen. If you don't get finances the right way, it looks like this. Instead of having the, the bow and arrow facing out, you've really got it facing in. And all you're doing is shooting yourself. He's like, did he practice that? You're, you're really just, you're, you're, you're pulling it back, and you're just letting it go, and it's shooting you. You're, you're killing yourself. And finances are a really, really good tool. That's all they are is a tool. But the problem is that we've made them a, we've made them a God. I learned a few years ago what really, really blew my mind is that the Bible, not the Bible, on your money, there's a phrase on there that says, in God we trust. Isn't it ironic that it's the hardest thing for us to trust God with? is our money, but on the dollar it says, in God we trust. <laughs> hey, the Bible says, I want you to have an overflowing life. I'm trying to help you have an overflowing life, but the problem is that if we don't do it God's way, then we can't have an overflowing life. We have the negative kind of overflow. It's not the positive, it's not the positive overflow. It's a blessing to have a pool, right? Like just, if you have a pool, like that's a blessing. But you know what's not a blessing? Is if, you, if the pool's low on water, you put the water hose, in the pool, and then you leave for a vacation for a week and there's an overflow. That's a, that's a negative thing. It's nice to have a house. It's nice to have, an, it's nice to have, it's nice to have a house with a pool, isn't it, Liz? Now get this. The problem with that pool with that house is that Liz, when she goes outside the house, she likes to leave that sliding glass door open. She likes to make the whole outside, she's trying to AC the outside. Now that's great that you have a house with a pool, but it stinks when you have to go get your, when you go to, when you go to the mail and you got to get your power bill. You're like, dang it. That pool pump is expensive. That water bill gets expensive. Money's not a bad thing. It's just a tool. To have a nice, have a car, to have a nice car, it's not, it's not a bad thing, but it's just a tool. I was talking to a guy yesterday. He goes, everything we have is worship. He said, your money is an act of worship how you worship God. When we sing today, that's how we worship. When we serve today, we put on a dream team land, we serve people, that's how we worship. Everything we do is worship. When you go to work tomorrow, it should be worship. Everything about us is whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. When you're giving God the glory, that's called worship. That's why singing, man, I was unglued today. I was like, man, this song's so good. That's how I want to fight my battles. I want to fight my battles with worship. I want everything to do, I do, I want to be worship. I want to make decisions with my finances based upon the way, I, this is how I want to worship. This is how I want to worship. Worship God. So I had to ask myself the question, and I'm going to ask you the same exact question. What if you and I were obedient and God blessed you?
or God, and God blesses you? What if you were obedient and God blessed you? What if you were? Like, what, like do, you, what, do you give and do you spend more than you make? And do you, do, you, um, do, you, do you spend more than you make? Do you save? Do you give? All sorts of, but what if you were obedient and God blessed you? Because that's what I really want for you today. You're going to leave today and you're going to say, man, my pastor wants me to have a blessed life. That's what you're going to leave thinking because that's the way I'm ending the sermon. And the reality is that statistics tell us that you're going to remember the last thing I said more than you remember the first thing that I said. The problem with that is that you need to remember the first part because the first part is going to be how you get out of here and you go get out of debt. And before I go too far, a lot of times pastors, they tell you what to do, but they tell you they don't know how to do it. Here's what I want to encourage you to go on your computer today and, and search Dave Ramsey. And there is somewhere around this area, they're providing a Dave Ramsey class. And go sit and listen. And just what if you were obedient and what if God blessed you? Just what if? What if there were some things in there that, that helped you? What if you could... What if you could live a complete different life? What if you could change? What if you could change your generation? But what if you could leave something behind for your kids, and you can leave a, you can change their generation? What if? So the Bible says this. I got two two chunks of scripture that I want to read to you today. What if you and I were obedient, and God blessed you? There's a guy by the name of Elijah in the Bible, awesome guy, and he has a, a friend of his that he mentors. His name is Elisha. And if you're in here today and you know who Jesus is as your Savior, you should be trying to figure out more how to, you should know God, you should find freedom, you should discover purpose, and you should go out and make a difference. The best way that I know that you and I can make a difference is to go out and to pour into somebody else. And Elijah went out and did that, okay? So we're going to see two stories here. They're going to look very, very similar today. But there's going to be, there, and there's going to be a similar outcome. But we have two different guys that were obedient and two different guys that were blessed, okay? They were obedient and they were blessed. They were obedient and they were blessed. First Kings chapter 17 uh, verse 8, the Bible says this. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. I, I, I instructed this lady to feed you. Like God will provide all your needs, Elijah. Elijah said, God said, Elijah, go there. I've already got your dinner prepared for you. I've got a place for you to stay. I've got food. The Bible tells us that the world of the generous gets larger and larger, God takes care of your needs. He wants, to, he wants to take care of your needs. And he wants to also give you overflow. But that starts with our obedience. In this passage of scripture, he says, Elijah, go there and I'll take care of you. So he went there, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little bit of water in a cup? I'm thirsty. As she was going to eat it, as, as, I'm sorry, as she was going to get it, he called to her, hey, girl, hey, can I get some bread too? Your boy's hungry. I need some bread. I, I, had, a, I had a thing happen last night that, um, Mom, I need to tell you about. My mom's in here today. My daughter, I picked my daughter up from youth group. And she's like, Dad, I'm hungry. Well, I had no wallet. Two things you know about me. A lot of times I have no wallet, and, I have, and I'm low on gasoline in my car. It's not because I can't afford the gas. That's totally contradictory to what we got. I just, I'm too lazy to stop and get it. So my, dad said, my daughter said, I'm really, really hungry. She's really, really hungry. And I said, all right, you, you want to go to McDonald's? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, well, how are we going to pay for it? I said, there's some, there's some change right here. My daughter was dumbfounded. Like, if you've never bought stuff with change before, you're wealthy. This message, you need to listen to this message. Make sure you're given, and then this isn't for you. But I was scrapping out coins, like getting my fingers, like, dirty. And she's like, Dad, does that stuff work? <laughs> I have failed you. You know what I'm talking about. You're like, dude, you don't. These, so I'm like, babe, this is how... My mom would scrounge up $13 and get $13 plus 6% times 13. And that's how, my, that's how she would feed a family of six. I don't even know what she ate. 
but she made sure we all ate. So we, maybe she, we all got two items of these. It was, and we were like, my mom was like, three fries for you, three fries for your brother, three fries. That a small fries, there's 18 fries in it. I know because my mom would split up a three fry fry. And we just knew, like, we, I was digging out coins. My mom's like, too far. That's how I remember it. That's all I can say, mom. That's how I remember it. All my stories are based, they're, they're based on how I remember it. Clearly, you, there's, a, there's a theme here. And I, was, and I said, ma'am, I said, ma'am, I, I got to the window. I was like, I only got $2. I said, you, we can get a cheeseburger and a large sweet tea. Which, by the way, the best thing that they ever did was make all their drinks a dollar. I mean, that's just a good, that's a good idea. And she's like, I'll have a fry. And I said, let me see how much a fry is. That's $1.19. I said, well, you can, dollar, dollar whatever. I said, you can get a French fry and you get a cheeseburger. She's like, how much is a medium fry? <laughs> I'm like, we got enough for a medium fry. She's like, those fries is good. They salty. You gotta see my story if you if you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, they're good. So he says, so he says, yeah, make me some bread. I got sidetracked. She said this, I swear. She sweared, by the Lord, by the Lord, our your God, that I don't have a single piece of bread in this house, and I have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bathroom of the uh, in, in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then me and my son, we're gonna die. We're all out. We got nothing left. We're about to die. This is our last meal is right now. Could you imagine if you knew it was your last meal? If you knew it was your last meal, because we're American today, we would go out and we'd buy a really nice meal. We wouldn't be like, yo, let me get some bread. My kid, the school, the school my kids go to, there's a ministry there called, um, there's a church there and there's a school there. And every day there's a guy, he goes to Publix and gets all the leftover bread. My kids love the leftover bread. That's why they're, that's why they're so healthy. Like that bread's, that bread's stale and it's old, but they're killing that bread. They love that. I'm like, yo, we can, it's funny sometimes that we settle for bread, but we can have such a nicer, nicer meal. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not so sure sometimes that we settle for a little, little bit of stale bread and water and God has this great blessing prepared for us and we settle for little crumbs. It all starts with our obedience. Okay, so um, Elijah said to her, a uh, handful of flour left in the jar, a little cooking oil on the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks. Verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, which by the way, this is maybe a little bit scary for you to get out of debt. It's going to be scary for you to start saving. It's going to be scary for you. For you to give, it's going to be scary for you. And so she could totally get that. But Elijah says, don't be afraid. And what I want to say to you as your friend today is don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bit of bread for me first. Elijah's like, i got to have mine first because I'm going to do a miracle. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Verse 14, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops grow again. You're going to be taken care of. If you do this thing my way, I'm going to take really, really good care of you. But if you do it your way, you're going to run out. Make me some bread first. You're going to be taken good care of. And by the way, I didn't tell you this. There was a drought prior to this. And the reason why there was a drought, because God told Elijah, go tell the people there's going to be a drought. And so there was a drought. And this verse tells us here that when the drought's over, she's going to begin to get food again. Verse 15. So she was obedient. What if she was obedient and God blessed her? It happened. Verse 15. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. She was out of food, but now she's got more food. Verse 16 says this. Therefore, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. I want to encourage you today. If you are obedient, God will bless you. If you're obedient, God will bless you. If you're obedient, God will bless you. So if you're not being blessed, you have to ask yourself the question, is there an obedience problem? I talk to parents all the time, like, I really need you to help me with my kid. I'm like, your kid's not the problem. Your patience is the problem. 
Giselle, is that good, is that good preaching? Like, I think it is like, it's your, you have a patience problem. Therefore, they act like a four-year-old. They're 16. Parents hate when I say this. You remember when you were 16? And that's why they're so hard on the kids. Like, I don't want to make sure my kid doesn't act the way I'm acting. That's why I'm, I'm not acting. I'm like, let's call being a hypocrite. Like, let's give him some grace. You know, like, do I want Trip to be me when, I'm, when he's six, the 16-year-old version of me? Heck no. Heck no. No way. Any, on any planet, I don't want my kid to be me when I'm 16 or 17 or 18 or 19 or 21. I, don't want, I don't want him, like, I want him to skip that season of, of my life. I want, I want to prevent him from that. The other day, we took him to the Magic game, and the cheerleaders came out, and he was just like this. I said, trip. He was like this. I look at the guy next to me. I'm like, he's my son, in whom I'm well pleased. <laughs> Too far? Too far. It's my son. My son. What if you were obedient and God, and God blessed you? So if you're like, oh, Wes, that's just one story. You said there was 2,000, and there's all these stories. And so I want to read one more to you. So Elijah, he invested in Elisha. And Derek invested in me and said, hey, he, he went to our church and our pastor said, hey, you, we need this. Our church needs this. The people in our church, they want to be generous, but they can't afford to be He invested in me in that, in that moment. And I was so thankful. But now I want to invest that back. I want to invest that back. Joel was out recently with a, uh, with a guy that I'm in Rotary with. And he goes, man, your pastor, he's generous. And Joel goes, that's one of the reasons why I like this church. This church likes to give their stuff away. We've never had, a pro- we've never had an income problem. All the problem we've ever had is an overflow problem. That's all we've ever had. We've always had it was an overflow problem. And the reason why we had an overflow problem because we always had an obedience problem. We were always obedient. That's all we've ever done is been obedient. There's this thing I now call 10X. I don't believe in 10X. My, 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 my friend texted me today. He's like, yo, I'm going to give some more money to the church. I gave this away and God blessed me. I, God doesn't use 10X. 10X is too small for God. 10X is too small for God. God's so much bigger than a 10X. I want 10X. I want 10X. I want 10X. God's so much bigger than a 10X. He wants, to, he wants to do abundantly more. That's why God didn't use the number 10X. He wants to do abundantly more. He wants you to have an overflow. I want you to have an overflow. I want you to have an, That's why I dressed up today because I want to make sure you got an overflow. Why, do what I want, why would I want a church full of people who are just barely getting by? When God says we shouldn't just get by, we should have an overflow. I want us to have an overflow problem. I want you to have an overflow problem. I want you to come to me and say, man, I just really, I'm just really struggling because I have this extra bit of money. I don't really know what to do with it. I sat across on the table there with the business owner. He's like, yeah, I just, I'm about to run into like $1,500 as a church. Team. I'm like, yeah, we need it. The answer is always yes. What are you going to use it for? We have this thing that's coming up. We want to use it for. We have an over. We want to have an. We want to have an obedience that produces a blessing that we can't even understand or imagine or think. So in this verse, it said, "He says there's always going to be enough. There's always going to be enough. Church, there's always going to be enough. If you're obedient, there's always going to be enough. Would I like a nicer car? Honestly, if someone gave it to me, maybe. But I like having no car payments." I like, I like that. Chase the other day, he's like, yo, no car payments. I said, dude, that's awesome. Like, I love that. I was with, um, I was with uh, Jeff a few weeks ago. I'm like, how old is that Suburban you drive? He's like, that thing's old. Like, how many miles is it? He's like, I'm from Canada. I only know kilometers, you know? Like, that's just where we're at. I want to have, have an obedience. I want, I want us to be obedient so we can always have the blessing that God wants for our life. I want that. 
I, 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 want, I want wit to be obedient. Wit says, you know, I, I, I love wit. I, I didn't ask her for permission. This, but I like when she wins because whenever she wins, she gives to the church. I love that. And whenever she gives to the church, we can go out and love more people and help more people, encourage more people. Two years ago, we did a serve day. We were like, hey, we need money for serve day. The next year, I didn't even ask for it. Wit's like, hey, serve day's coming up. Here's some money before you ask me. I was like, I wasn't going to ask you, but I'll take it, you know. That's, that's, she's, that's obedience. It's just a thing she does. It's just an obedience. It's an obedient thing. It's an obedient thing. It's an obedient thing. And she's blessed. Eight times. Eight times in a row. Moomba Masters Slalom Champion. Eight times in a row. You know what we talk about most of the time? Professional athlete. I don't want to use my platform. For me, I want to be obedient. I want God to get the glory. That's what we spend most of our time talking about. She doesn't have an obedience problem. If she does, I just tell her, hey, get with it. One more, one more story. I got a few more minutes. I mean, technically I don't, but I want you to see this because this it's only seven verses. And it's really, really good. Um, 2 Kings chapter 4. The Bible says, one day a widow. You want to know why God uses widows? Because they don't have anything. And you might be in here thinking, well, I just don't, I don't really have anything. And I want you to know God can do a lot with a little. God can do a lot with a little. A little what, Wes? A little bit of obedience. A little bit of obedience. You know that, that, that saying, one bad apple spoils a whole bunch? A little bit of obedience. A little bit of obedience can yield a whole lot of blessings. Can yield a whole lot of blessings. Uh, one day the widow... Um, of, a, of a, a member of the group of prophets came to Elijah and she cried out, my husband who served you is dead, one of your boys, one of your community group members, and you know how he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Verse two, what can I do to help you? Elijah asked, tell me, what do you have in the house? He's like, what do you have? What do you, if you want, you want to be used by God, whatever you have, whatever you have. What do you have in the house? Nothing at all except all I got is my flask of olive oil, she said. And Elijah said this, borrow as many. She's got one flask. And Elijah says this, band, you can come on up. The rest of you guys come on because if not, I'll sit here all day. Elijah said this, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from the flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So go get as many jars you can follow as you can build up and we're gonna fill these things up. So they run out, they go get all the jars, their sons are out there, they're working. By the way, if the Bible says, another verse in the Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. You gotta have a job and if you don't have a job, then you can't marry my daughter. And so you gotta go out and have a job. But the Bible says, go get all the, all the jars and so they get all the jars, line them up there and all he has is his little, little flask. And he's just pouring a little bit in, a little bit in, a little bit in. Could you imagine the miracle that happened that day? I want to encourage you today that miracles still happen. A guy sent me a text message today of his total car, and he got out with no scratches, no bumps, no bruises on, on his bike, except for just scratches, bumps, bruises. He walked out, his car completely totaled, going 80 miles now on the turnpike. Don't tell me that miracles can't happen today. The reason why miracles don't happen today is because you think miracles don't happen today, so you got no miracles in your life. I walked in the gym the other day, the weirdest thing ever happened to me, I was telling my friends, like, yo, my calf hurts. She dropped on her knee, grabbed my calf, and she started praying for me. You said, well, that's hocus pocus. You, you can believe whatever you want. I'll, I'll, my leg feels better. My legs feel better. I believe in the healing power 
of God. I believe in miracles. The Bible says that they, a little bit of oil came through and they just kind of dumped it in the thing, dumped it in. And Elijah bars as many empty jars as you could and they did that, verse 4. Then go into your house to your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil, do all that thing. So he did it. So she did it exactly as she was told. She was obedient, Hope Church. She was obedient. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Every single one. Jesus wants you to be full to the brim. He doesn't want your pot to be half empty. He wants you to be full. Don already told us that the Bible says that he prepares a table right in front of your enemies. And while you're eating steak and macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes and gravy, and you're eating this really, really good meal that my mom cooked today for after church, when you're eating there, your enemies are looking at you and they're saying, I can't believe it. And he's saying, I'm good. God wants to fill up your cup. Muzzle top. He wants to fill up your cup. So he says this. So he did as as he was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one another. Verse 6. Every container was full to the brim. Bring me another. She said to one one of her sons, thanks, Di. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. And when she told the man of God what had happened, he said this to her. Now sell the oil and pay your debts, and your sons can live on whatever is left over. I don't know about you in here today, but I want to have leftover. I want to have overflow. I want to have all that God has for me. And I don't want it just for me. I want it for you. How bad would that be? Hey, let's stand to our feet. We're going to worship God. How silly would it be for me to want a lot of things? How silly would it be for Whitney to have much things, but not want it for the rest of you guys? I want it for all of you guys. So my message says this, two more things. God can bless your obedience, but he can't bless your disobedience. God can bless your obedience, but he cannot bless your disobedience. God cannot. There's some things that God can't do, and that's one of them. And the last thing I want you to know is that Jesus doesn't want your stuff. He wants your heart. Jesus doesn't want your stuff. He doesn't need your stuff. The Bible says that God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your stuff. You know what he wants? He wants you to have salvation. And when you have salvation, everything changes. Your obedience changes, your heart changes, your posture changes, your prayers change, your life changes, your families change, your family's families change. Everything begins to change. Do you want things to change in your life? Do you want things to be changed? Do you want to, do you want to worship differently? Let's sing this out. Do you want to worship differently? Do you want to sing differently? Do you want to act differently? Do you want to talk differently? It starts with your salvation. Come on, let's sing it. Let's sing, let's sing this out.